mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, this is big news. The Eagle Creek Storage Basin Project is set to receive the final funding it needs with $30 million in Ohio's new capital appropriations bill. State Representative John Cross, who is a member of the House Finance Committee, explains what happens next. Also this morning, we have details on June's special programming at the Hancock Historical Museum. And fire up your hot rods, your classic cars, and your motorcycles. We'll tell you about a special show for a special cause in memory of a special person to be held this weekend. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. Get this, it is Dare Day today. Dare Day. So it is a it is a day they say for doing something out of your comfort zone. Whether you are dared to do it or whether you do it of your own volition, it is Dare Day today. You can see we can get ourselves into all kinds of trouble with something like that. But uh, I like the idea of just doing something out of your comfort zone today. So Also, it is Dinosaur Day, World Milk Day, National Olive Day, National Heimlich Maneuver Day, Go Barefoot Day today. Yesterday would have been a better day to do that than today. We could see some uh, storms, not quite as warm today. But anyway, uh, National Nail Polish Day, National Say Something Nice Day. And if you can't say something nice, then don't say anything at all. National Pen Pal Day. Say something nice to your pen pal today. National Hazelnut Cake Day. National Tailor's Day. Flip a Coin Day. Stand for Children Day. And it is the Global Day of Parents. So a big day with a lot of observances and uh, celebrations and such. So you can observe those how you see fit. Big news here. This is kind of interesting. Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, a bill introduced yesterday in the Ohio legislature would require high school students to take a self-defense class in order to graduate. The Student Protection Act, it's called, would mandate that incoming freshmen in public and private high schools in the state of Ohio complete a self-defense training class as part of their health education would add self-defense to the health curriculum. It would be taught by school resource officers or certified self-defense instructors. One of the two Republican lawmakers who introduced the measure, State Representative Andrea White, said physical, emotional, or sexual abuse and assault are never okay, reinforcing this message with our young people while equipping them with defensive tactics and proactive strategies will help them protect themselves and avoid dangerous situations. Uh, She also said the training could help students identify early signs and symptoms of mental health issues and potentially aggressive behavior in their peers. State Representative Tom Young, uh, the uh, other proponent or uh, sponsor of the uh, measure with Representative White, tells USA Today they have been working on the bill for months and the timing shortly after the Texas school shooting was purely coincidental. But 
fortuitous, I would guess. So see what you think about that idea. I, I like the concept. Um, I, uh, I would be a little hesitant to add it to the graduation requirements simply because schools have so many things that they've got to teach kids already. And uh, here's just another thing to add to the uh, already heavy workload that students and teachers and schools have uh, to get uh, kids ready to graduate. But I like the concept. I think we'll see if it uh, if it goes anywhere that introduced in the uh, state legislature yesterday. So now here is a law that I think we could all get behind. Speaking of legislation, this uh, comes out of uh, Spain, actually. And um, I know sometimes people they look to Europe and how they do things, and it's not always doesn't always align with how America does things and so on. So you have to be careful about this looking at other countries for suggestions on laws in this nation. But this, I think, is one that we could all get behind. If you are tired of speaking to a machine when you call customer service for your bank or the power company or you know whatever it might happen to be, uh, the government of Spain wants to end those nerve-shattering one-sided conversations with a computerized answering service by making it mandatory, mandatory for companies to offer a real live customer service representative when so requested by a caller. You would have to, not that they couldn't use automated systems, but if you were to pick up the phone and try and call customer service in Spain by law, they would have to at least offer you the chance to speak with a real live human being. Uh, That is just one of several measures introduced in a customer service bill presented by a coalition within the government of Spain earlier this week. The uh, bill will need the approval of the full parliament before it can become law, the uh, uh, consumption minister of Spain, that's an interesting title, consumption minister Alberto Garz said about the law or the proposed law, quote, customer service is a critical part of our relations with consumers, which unfortunately and far too often causes endless headaches for Spanish families because far too many companies create bureaucratic labyrinths to stop you from exercising your right to service. Unquote. <laughs> I just think it's a it's a great idea. I would love to be able to just know that you could talk to a real live human being when you call customer service. That is something I think we could all get behind. Let's introduce that in uh, in Congress. If you're looking for areas where we can find bipartisan agreement in this country, I think we found one right there. That's that's a pretty good one. Uh, speaking of laws, this is kind of interesting. And again, this demonstrates why um, we've got to be careful looking to other countries for inspiration on our laws. You know, the Canadian government this week has introduced a bill cracking down on gun, gun ownership for our neighbors to the north, and uh, they want to ban the sales of certain guns, suspend sales of handguns. I think they're going to uh, mandate that 
high-powered rifles, so-called assault rifle, uh, assault-style rifles, be um, uh, decommissioned or made inoperable, requiring that by the government? That would never fly in this country. How would you feel about this? The Canadian government said yesterday that it will allow the province of British Columbia to decriminalize possession of small amounts of drugs in a three-year experiment to see if it can reduce overdose deaths by getting rid of the uh, getting rid of the fear of arrest for users who need help. And again, here is I, I looked at this and I thought to myself, this is one of the concerns that opponents of marijuana legalization cite is that it sends us one step down this slippery slope to legalizing other drugs as well. And now, again, there's a difference between legalization and decriminalization. Decriminalizing possession does not make it legal. It just removes the legal penalties. It's still technically illegal, but there's no penalty for it. So in the minds of many, it's a distinction without a difference. But the idea is to see if it can reduce overdose deaths by getting getting rid of the fear of arrest for users who need help under the plan that will go into effect in January possession of up to two and a half grams of illegal drugs. And it doesn't say specifically which illegal drugs we're talking about or whether it encompasses all illegal drugs, but uh, possession of up to two and a half grams for personal use will not lead to arrest or any charges being brought. Although, as we said, the drugs do remain illegal Oh, here it says uh, drugs that it will cover include opioids, cocaine, methamphetamine and ecstasy. The uh, chief public health officer in Canada, Dr. Teresa Tam, says stigma and fear of criminalization cause some people to hide their drug use, use alone or use in other ways that increase the risk of harm. Uh, One could argue that any drug use uh, increases the risk of harm. That kind of part and parcel of drug use but they say that's why the government of canada treats substance abuse as a health issue not a criminal one and this is the next logical step we'll see how that works out stay tuned and uh, one other item here among the first things you need to know the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day dr jennings ryan staley is going to jail for touting a miracle cure for COVID-19. Dr. Staley, um, back when COVID was raging, attempted to smuggle hydro, hydro, <laughs> hydroxychloroquine. You remember when hydroxychloroquine was touted as being a COVID remedy, and uh, then more research was done, and the medical professionals said this really doesn't do anything. Uh, for uh, COVID-19. But at the time, everybody wanted to get hydroxychloroquine. So Dr. Staley was uh, smuggling this into the U.S. from China using false labels on the medication. And uh, apparently he got caught when he provided the drug to an undercover agent without asking any medical questions uh, and just, you know, gave it, handed it over. That's a no-no. Mr. Staley marketed the, his COVID treatment kits for four thousand dollars. 
He now has to serve 30 days in prison, and then he will be confined to his home for a year, and he will pay a $10,000 fine. Doesn't say that he will lose his medical license, however, so kind of interesting, but selling those for $4,000, I think that's the crime. (laughs) That's, That's the crime. Charging $4,000 for this. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly to mostly cloudy conditions today. A chance of showers and storms. A high of 84. A slight chance of showers and storms tonight. A low of 60. The Highway Patrol says there were more traffic deaths over the Memorial Day reporting period this year compared to last. The Highway Patrol says 17 people were killed in traffic crashes over the Memorial Day weekend this year, which is an increase of two from last year. Troopers made nearly 500 OVI arrests, nearly 300 drug arrests, and issued nearly 4,000 seatbelt citations. In addition, the Highway Patrol assisted more than 2,700 motorists. As prices at the pump continue to put a strain on Ohioans' budgets, it's been proposed that the state suspend the gas tax. We asked Governor Mike DeWine what he can do to help Ohioans save money at the pump. I don't have an immediate great answer for that. I think it would be a mistake to take off the gas tax in six months when we're driving our cars and people see potholes and they see that roads are not getting fixed. I think they'll look back at me and say, Mike, hey, that was kind of a trick you pulled. You, you know, you, 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 you cut the tax and, and saved us a few pennies, but, you know, we don't want to drive on these roads either. I'm Tracy Townsend. A graduation ceremony was held for the apprentices and Raise the Bar's Manufacturing Apprenticeship Program. Raise the Bar Director Tricia Valesque says the ceremony marked the cohort's completion of the two-year Learn While You Earn program. They've been employed with these companies for the past two years. They've split their time where they've been working three days per week and then attending Owens two days per week. Tricia says apprenticeships are becoming more prevalent in the manufacturing industry as they provide high-quality instruction, mentorship, and on-the-job training. You can get more on Raise the Bar's Manufacturing Apprenticeship Program on the website. More than 30 Ohio colleges and universities are being recognized for supporting students with a military background. Schools honored with the Collegiate Purple Star Award include Tiffin University, Owens Community College, Bowling Green State University, and the University of Toledo. You can see the full list on the website. I'm Matt Demchak for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Our cover story this morning, big news that we learned yesterday afternoon. The Eagle Creek Storage Basin Project is now set to receive the final funding it needs with $30 million in allocated money from Ohio's new capital appropriations bill. State Representative John Cross is with us this morning. He is a member of the House Finance Committee. And uh, this was, first of all, let's kind of step back a little bit. Uh, The uh, capital appropriations bill is separate from the budget. This is really where legislators such as yourself uh, kind of bring home the bacon to their districts, right? (laughs) <laughs> that's right bacon and the eggs yeah um, <laughs> good morning chris yes uh operating budget is uh, separate from the capital budget the operating budget is on the uh, odd years mm-hmm. the even even years of the capital budget and this is really where we do some uh, uh um 
community project monies uh, across the state, but then also for each county. So pleased to report that uh, the bill that will go to the House today, will be voted on today, uh, will include about $1.5 million for community projects in Hancock County. Overall, in the 83rd District, I think we are probably uh, close to uh, $2 million uh, for community projects. And then, uh, obviously, $30 million for the Eagle Creek Basin flood. That, that's a big deal. We, yeah. we, uh, the, the, the state's in a healthy financial position right now where we didn't want to just do another $15 million and then and then two more years wait to get another 15 We have the chance to do that now and really put a lot of anxiety at ease with people that this is going to get done. Finley uh, should not have to be worrying about flooding in the future, uh, and and hopefully it helps homeowners, their insurance, uh, businesses, everybody can uh, maybe have a sense of relief that this project that has been talked about for a long time is going to get completed. Yeah, um, it is one of the largest. I think the the, the whole package is like two billion dollars uh, mm-hmm. in all. Uh, this is one of the largest line item projects to get funding uh, in the yeah. entire state. Uh, you mentioned that all of the other projects uh, in the uh, in the district uh, combined for a couple million. I think even Cuyahoga County, all of their community projects. Uh, totaled something like uh, a third of what this allocation for the Eagle Creek Storage Basin uh, project is. Will that raise any eyebrows? You mentioned you know this will go before the full House uh, for a vote today. Mm-hmm. This cleared committee yesterday, and then you know are are there going to be any eyebrows raised? Is there any chance that this gets uh, changed at all, or is it simply an up or down vote? No, I think it's up or down vote. I think the uh, the uh, the cake is baked. And, um, and, you know, uh, no one's going to, hopefully none of my colleagues are going to want to upset Representative Cross. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, uh, you know, listen, I'd love to sit here and take full credit. You can't. The, the, uh, something like this takes a lot of people. You know, State Senator Rob McCauley and I worked together on this project. You've got, uh, you know, the governor, uh, Director Mahalik, you know, Treasurer Robert Sprague, anybody who's an elected official at the state level uh, that's in Columbus obviously is going to advocate and champion for something like this. It, it takes a lot of folks to get a major financial commitment like this. But I've been pleased to, to you know, tell people that at the end of the day, this was a big thing that I campaigned on back in 2018 that we have to get this done, right? We don't want businesses to leave Finley. We don't want residents to leave Finley because of this issue. And it's just, it is, um, it, it feels good that I can actually say uh, that we got this delivered. And a lot of people can say that, right? I mean, yeah. others who have been involved in this process can say that. But it does take a lot of folks to get a major financial commitment. And I do want to thank uh, the governor on down for putting that in and making that a, a commitment. And, uh, we can be pleased to have that put behind us. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that that process because we mentioned clear is cleared committee it goes uh, to a full vote in the House mm-hmm. today. Uh, what happens next? Then it uh, will go to the Senate. Is there any reconciliation or their version of the uh, appropriations bill that has to happen before the uh, governor will uh, will uh, land on his desk for his signature? What kind of give us the, yeah. the process? Here? 
Yeah, good, good, good question. Uh, government can move fast when it wants to. So today, uh, the bill is going to uh, go between both the House and the Senate, and uh, it should be concurred in the Senate. Uh, today is the final day before summer break or summer recess of the House and Senate. So it'll get concurred between the House and the Senate today. Basically, it's been negotiated between the House and the Senate. So it is a simple up or down vote between the House and the Senate today, and then it'll go to the governor's desk for his signature. Uh, so uh, this has been uh, a long uh, process in, in getting this done. When then will that funding start to uh, roll in? Now, yeah. we know uh, in, in talking with uh, Tim Miley and others uh, who are uh, – uh, well-versed in this project and highly involved in this project, that they're ready to move forward and, in fact, have uh, laid some of the groundwork for this. But when mm-hmm. will we see that actual funding? Well, uh, let's let's remind listeners uh, the process of how this... It's actually $60 million total that right. they've received from the state. So when Robert Sprague was the state representative, he secured the first 15. Uh, I was able to help secure the second 15, along with uh, State Senator Rob McCauley and everybody I listed before, mm-hmm. and then now the final 30. So they're using the first $30 million right now to start that project. They'll be able to access this next $30 million in 2023 and 2024 20, uh, uh, to draw down funds yeah. uh, to, to finalize that project. But they do have state money now that they've been drawing down uh, to, uh, and they've already started that project, obviously. Right. Um, but th- th- that goes the same too. Well, let's not forget we in this in this package. Um, uh, there's also 1.5 million dollars. A million is going to go to the YMCA for their child development center. Um, we've got. Um, I apologize. I'm just looking here because I didn't have it memorized. But we've got a, a hundred thousand dollars going to the women's resource center for uh, upgrades to their uh, to their uh, a, a project that they're doing. And then the Litzenberg Memorial Woods Improvement Project, uh, there's about $498,000 they're using to uh, uh, enhance that um, uh, park. Now, here's the deal with the money. The state doesn't fund 100% of projects. So, so uh, that, the money for these community projects like the park, uh, the Family Resource Center, the, the Children's YMCA, th- those projects might be, you know, double the amount mm-hmm. but the state's willing to put in maybe up to 50% funding. The, the, the goal of the pa- capital projects and the capital budget is to help with state financing and state funding to get a project to completion. So obviously there's maybe private money or other public dollars involved, mm-hmm. but the state, the state can come in and help close the gap. Yeah. And so we, we ask for projects uh, publicly uh, we get submitted. We try to fund as many as we can. I think most got funded this round. I think maybe only one didn't qualify. It was a water water project. So it, it, there's certain rules that they have to obviously follow. So, you know, again, we're pleased to provide, you know, close to $2 million for the 83rd District, and it will help a lot of projects get completed awesome. from splash pads to parks yeah. to 
you name it. Also uh, worth pointing out, this is not the only source of state funding for projects, depending on uh, how they are categorized. Uh, so that is mm-hmm. uh, worth pointing out uh, as well. Do want to ask you one other question uh, with respect to money going in, money coming out of the state that has uh, made headlines uh, this morning. The uh, governor was asked, and we were talking about it in the news earlier, the governor was asked uh, yesterday about the possibility of suspending the gas tax uh, temporarily due to the high price of, uh, of fuel, which everybody is uh, familiar with. Other states have done it. Is that something that you could support? The governor says that is probably not a good idea. Your thoughts? Um, I, I, I would have no problem voting uh, to suspend the gas tax uh, if it, that's a bill that comes before us. However, I want people to understand that that doesn't necessarily mean that, that the gas is going to fall uh, that percentage. You, you know, when when that got initiated, uh, the, the user road fee um, got put in, what was that, Crash probably a couple of years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it didn't change gas prices overnight. So I, I want people to understand that if you got rid of the gas tax, and I, I kind of forget how much uh, pennies on the dollar it, it is, it's, uh, uh, it, it's not going to drop it down like 50 cents or a dollar like people think it's going to do. Right. Right? It, might have, it might have no effect. You might not see any which is one uh, of the which is bit. which is one of the things the governor was concerned about is that it uh, might mm-hmm. not have a great impact for consumers uh, other than a few pennies it, a gallon it, 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 and would it, have a significant sa- impact yeah. on that's, road uh, work. That's right. That's right. It sounds good. I mean, it sounds good. And again, if if it's something that could provide ultimate relief or certainly major financial relief, mm-hmm. I, I would certainly support it. But if it's going to move it one penny down, I don't think uh, that's going to do anything to help. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, the president of the United States needs to take his leadership, take action, open up pipelines here in the United States, uh, and, and there's things that can be done at the federal level that have a much more uh, greater impact uh, than what we might be able to do at the state. But, you know, I, trust me, uh, as someone who has to drive to the state house uh, <laughs> well, to that's Columbus, a good point. I'm, get, I, I'm getting pretty tired of, of four dollars and five dollars <laughs> yeah, a gallon I, too. I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure. Uh, we will leave it there again. Uh, State Representative John Cross with us uh, this morning, talking about the uh, huge allocation for the Eagle Creek Storage Basin project in uh, the uh, new capital appropriations bill, which is cleared committee and will face uh, full votes in the uh, uh, state house and senate this week. Ms. Cross, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Well, now that summer has arrived, it is car show season, and uh, to sort of kick that off uh, locally, tell you about a really special event uh, that is coming up, special show for a special cause in memory of a very special person. It is the inaugural Denise Bowser Memorial Car Truck and or it's car, bike, and truck show. Uh, it is happening this Saturday. And uh, joining us uh, this morning are Angela Dittman and Lindsay Bowes from Bigelow Hill uh, School, where uh, Denise was a uh, special needs teacher for uh, a number of years. I know before that she was at Washington until Washington closed, uh, moved to uh, to Bigelow Hill. Um, I'm going to throw this out here to, uh, to both of you. Uh, we mentioned this is a special show for a special cause in honor of a special person. Kind of... Uh, Share your thoughts on on what made Denise such a a special uh, teacher and a special member of the of the staff there. Um, well, in talking with Dave, Denise's husband, we just talked about her 
faith in God and love for her family and friends. She was highly respected in Finley City Schools, mm-hmm. trained other teachers, um, just very dedicated to the students and in the district, trained other teachers. Um, true passion for underprivileged students and, and teaching reading, yeah. specifically reading. And uh, now Denise uh, passed away some months ago uh, of cancer. And uh, so in her memory, uh, there is a a scholarship fund that is being set up through the uh, Community Foundation. Tell us a little bit about this. Yes. So Denise, it is the Denise Bowser Memorial Scholarship. It's Mm -hmm. through the Hancock County um, Community Foundation. And we have two years to get the seed money together for that. So that's part of what we're having this car show for this weekend. Mm -hmm. And then it will be self-funded forever for a student from Bigelow Hill that graduates um, from a Hancock County school. Uh, And this is, as it happens, we've talked with the uh, folks at the Community Foundation in the the past, talk about how uh, all of that works to be able to uh, create a fund that will in perpetuity uh, sort of fund itself and fund this scholarship uh, moving forward. As it happens, uh, the uh, Bowsers are personal friends of our family uh, as well, and and knowing Dave and Denise for uh, a number of years, as you said, uh, that her passion was truly uh, for her students. And this, when when Dave came up with the idea to create this scholarship. And uh, I, I would imagine it's it's one of those things that you immediately, it's kind of a no-brainer to jump on board, right? Oh, absolutely. We have a whole team of teachers and administrators throughout um, Finley City Schools that are on a committee with Dave that mm-hmm. have worked to come up with ideas to um, raise the money for this and how to write the language for students to earn the scholarship. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, somebody that really has a passion and um, love of life like Denise yeah. had. And 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 that's that's really I think anyone who has who knew Denise or came into contact with her for any length of time, whether it was personally, professionally, uh, as a, a student or as the parent of a student, it's it's almost universal. Those are the you hear the same things. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't think of a better way to honor her memory than with a scholarship for a student who's attended a school where she taught. You know, mm-hmm. something ongoing. Yeah. Uh, the uh, car show, so the uh, car show and, and uh, Dave and Denise have a uh, classic car. They enjoyed uh, cruising around town in, in, their, uh, in their convertible and, and uh, all of that. So this is, uh, again, a sort of a, a natural tie-in. This is coming up on Saturday. Give us the uh, details on this event here. Um, registration starts at 2 o'clock. Okay. Um, cars, trucks, bikes, you name it, bring it in. They would love to see you. Um, it's from 3 to 7. $20 for registration, but for spectators, everything is free. It's mm-hmm. very family-friendly at Gateway Church, t- food trucks, um, raffle baskets, 50-50. There are a lot of, uh, of prizes, uh, yes. and raffle prizes and uh, goodies to be given away and, and all of that. So it's it's worth the price of admission for just that. Yes, uh, yes. Right. <clears throat> um, and as you mentioned, this is all happening at uh, Gateway Church, where the uh, Bowsers were uh, were members, where Dave still is a member, uh, obviously, and uh, County Road out on County Road Nine. Um, and uh, again, all of the uh, money that is donated is going to benefit the uh, scholarship fund. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and if you are, oh, sorry, no, go ahead. If you aren't able to come out that day, you can donate to the scholarship online, and you can set that up to be something that automatically, even monthly, takes out of your checking account. There are different ways that you can do that. You can make a one-time donation mm-hmm. or an yes. ongoing donation. Uh, the 
car show again as we were saying uh it's a it's a no-brainer you know when you hear about the uh, scholarship fund to sort of get on board and do what you can to uh, to help this is one of those you guys going to be out there i'm sure absolutely uh, yes. along we'll be with there all day a lot of people uh, helping <laughs> yes. to put this together and uh it, it's one of those things that's really good to see uh everybody sort of come together in this common cause isn't it yes absolutely, absolutely. She's, she's missed, and this is a great way for us to get together and remember her and have a good time in her name. Yeah. Uh, again, it is happening on Saturday, so all uh, vintage of uh, cars, bikes, trucks, all of that. Uh, there's no uh, uh, year designation. Nope. or It's open to uh, all, and it's happening uh, Saturday afternoon. Again, begins at uh, 3 o'clock uh, Gateway Church. Uh, so uh, uh, swing on by. We've got more information uh, on the uh, show itself, the uh, scholarship fund, and all of that up at our webpage at uh, goodmornings.net. Again, uh, Angela Dittman, Lindsay Bowes with us from uh, Bigelow Hill. Look forward to seeing you on Saturday. The weather's going to be great, so can't uh, ask Perfect. for anything better. And uh, we'll see you out there then. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank Thanks you. for having us. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. An uh, interesting collection of uh, broken news this morning. Uh, this is the more conventional broken news. This story from Evansville, Indiana, where a man was arrested on Monday for drunk driving after allegedly crashing his SUV and then driving to a car dealership where he attempted to sell the badly damaged vehicle. <laughs> well, he crashed it. He wanted to trade it in on a new one. <laughs> Witnesses reported seeing Jordan Mattingly, age 30, uh, hit a highway median, which caused a a flat tire and uh, resulted in the car. It started smoking with a flat tire. Uh, He continued driving, though, eventually stopping at a dealership where he, uh, according to witnesses, tried to trade in his SUV on a a new vehicle. Uh, Witnesses at the dealership uh, said he appeared highly intoxicated, uh, smelling of alcohol, and almost fell over several times. Uh, officers said he blew a, two, a .291. Whoo! Police say inside his SUV, they found four loco cans and a can of White Claw. He is facing several charges. By the way, if that name sounds familiar, uh, Jordan Mattingly is the 30-year-old son of Miami Marlins manager and former professional baseball player Don Mattingly. So, that's rather embarrassing. Uh, it does, however, make uh, you know some bit of logical sense. You uh, wreck your car, you go to trade it in, get a new one. But didn't work out in this case. <laughs> uh, let's see. This is a really cool story in the uh, broken news. Always like to share happy news. A California man finally has his diploma after it was locked away for several years in a filing cabinet, Ted Sams was not awarded his diploma because he missed his final exam after being suspended five days before the end of the semester. He did make up his final exam that following summer, but he was told he had to pay $5 for a book that he never returned. He had a $5 book fine, and he never paid it, never got his diploma. He graduated, but he just never had the diploma. After complaining for years to his kids, 
His old high school invited him to finally accept his diploma with the class of 2022. He got to walk. By the way, uh, Ted Sams is 78 years old. He was uh, originally a member of the class of 1962. His diploma locked away for 60 years. He was presented with his original diploma from uh, 60 years earlier. <laughs> they could have at least printed him up a new one, I guess. But, but that's still pretty cool. <laughs> didn't get his diploma because, basically because of a $5 book fine after he finished his, his final exam. Wow. So, that's pretty cool. Uh, let's see. PETA is at it again. People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals has written a letter to Lego asking the toy company to rethink its new farm set, which uh, the animal rights group claims paints a rose-tinted view of horror and cruelty. The new Lego farm with animals set will launch today. I don't think that they have pulled it because of PETA's objections. Is set to hit store shelves today. A toy chicken coop and delivery truck will also be available as part of the set. The vice president of PETA claims the toy is misleading and encourages Lego to instead create an animal sanctuary set. Okay. <laughs> I think they could do both, actually, couldn't they? I mean, that's, uh, I don't think it would make PETA very happy, but anyway, <laughs> they got to be complaining about something, I guess. Legos, of all things. And uh, how about this a crazy story? This definitely, again, not typical broken news item, not a typical broken news item here, but it did I really caught my attention. I'll raise an eyebrow on this one. While one would assume that being a beach lifeguard has certain perks, uh, you might not think it can make you rich, but you would be wrong. Financial auditors at OpenTheBooks.com say Daniel Douglas, a lifeguard captain for Los Angeles County, earned, are you ready for this, $510,000 in salary and overtime last year. Uh, that is an increase from nearly 443000 that he made just two years ago. And making over a half a million dollars as a lifeguard. The auditors found that nearly 100 lifeguards in the L.A. area in Southern California earned at least $200,000 a year, including benefits. 20 made between $300,000 and half a million dollars. Uh, the uh, highest paid of them all, Daniel Douglas, the lifeguard captain for Los Angeles County. Uh, while uh, salaries for beach lifeguards increase base, based on seniority, Overtime is where these lifesavers make a real killing, no pun intended. 37 lifeguards earn between 50 and a quarter million dollars in overtime alone in 2020. And the, they say the uh, lifeguards who stay on the job 30 years, and you think, why wouldn't you? Uh, you can retire with a, with a pension plan because they're public employees. They can retire at the age of 55 and pull in 79% of their salaries. So, and if you're making half a million dollars, that's $400,000 plus that you could uh, rake in in retirement for being a lifeguard. I saw that uh, story and I thought, what am I doing here? <laughs> what, what in the world? 
the world of mine. Of course, I can't swim, so that would be a, a slight problem in taking that job. But uh, still, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is the sound of a popular American motorcycle. It's the sound of freedom, the open road, really good times. And this is what it sounds like with a drunk guy in it. How do you like the sound of that? Cops are cracking down on drunk motorcycle riders. If you ride drunk, you will get caught and you will get arrested. Drunk riding, over the limit, under arrest. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Transportation. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Have you ever blocked someone on Facebook because of their political posts? How about this? Have you ever blocked a family member on Facebook because of a disagreement over political content? Well, believe it or not, a new survey conducted by the website Time to Play found that 78.3% of millennials have blocked a family member on Facebook for their political postings. That's more than three out of four have blocked a family member because of politics online. According to researcher Ben Trainer, the younger generation doesn't seem interested in hearing any opinions that differ from their own, which raises an issue. Are they blocking because they just are closing their minds to differing points of view or are they blocking family members because people have gone off the deep end uh, which are two different things um, they say if you don't agree 100% with their agenda when it comes to these millennials they'll cut you out of their lives completely and that goes for family too but again like I said I think some of that has to do with not so much what they're saying, but the volume of it and how vociferous they are. Nearly half of those in the survey from all age groups, 46.4% specifically, said that they blocked a family member who posted hateful, toxic, or problematic things. Which again, some of that is in the eye of the beholder, but you get the idea. It's not so much that they hold differing political views, but they are to the extreme. And that's when it becomes problematic. Slightly less, 43.5% from all age groups say they blocked a family member for sharing fake news. And 41.4% of all of those surveyed said that their relatives have been blocked because they post too much political content. So I'd have to go... I'd have to, it'd have to be really, really egregious, I think, to block a family member. Because, I mean, if you block their political stuff, you block all the other stuff as well. And it's hard to keep up with, you know, their life events and things like that that you may be interested in if you block them completely. I mean, they may be family. You. They may have uh, they may have uh, differing political views, but they're still family. So, what is that tipping point? Interesting stuff there. Today's daily download. Well, now that we're uh, into the month of June and the uh, summer season, uh, it seems like things 
get really busy for everyone. Uh, not the least of which, the Hancock Historical Museum. Sarah Sisser is here with an update on what's happening in the uh, in the coming month. And it is a very busy month. You've got the regular stuff. You've got a uh, another brown bag lunch uh, lecture that is, uh, what, tomorrow? Tomorrow, right? yeah. yep. Of course, our monthly regular brown bag lectures, the first Thursday of the month. Um, and starts at noon. We always encourage people to get there a little bit earlier if you can to get mm-hmm. a good seat. Um, but tomorrow we have Dwight Wilson with us and he will be talking about all about honeybees. So beekeeping, okay. um, the importance of the honeybee to our ecosystem. Um, and so a little bit different for us, probably more instructive than a history lesson, but I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to this one. So that is tomorrow. Uh, also have the uh, classic movie night later in the month. We uh, do. And that is always, well, typically the third Friday of the month and that is free and open to the public movie starts at seven o'clock and uh, this month's movie is my favorite wife so we encourage people to come out and um, we always have refreshments available it's it makes a good date night if you're looking for something I, a little bit different i think i have seen that movie but it has been ages uh, well it's the classics so. yeah <laughs> uh so that one uh should be a lot of fun so circle those dates uh, on your calendar but that is just the start we've got uh, some other uh, special stuff coming up in the month of june we do we have a few special events this month uh the first of which will be next saturday that's uh june 11th and that'll be our front porch tea. So each summer we do this um, for children ages um, 6 to 12. Um, they can bring a doll with them if they like, and they get a formal Victorian tea. And weather permitted, we do that on the front porch of the Hall House. So it's a beautiful event um, and a lot of fun for the kids that come. Of course, they need an accompanying parent, um, but reservations are still available for that. So we encourage you to call uh, or go on our website to make a reservation for the front porch tea. We also have um, coming up this month, our Taste of Akron trip. So we're excited to bring back um, these day trips with the museum. This is something we did um, Mm pre-pandemic and they were super popular. We had the opportunity to go to Cleveland, Cincinnati, Columbus, Detroit, Ann Arbor. Um, And then over the last two years, of course, we've been kind of grounded um, and not been able to do one of these trips. But we're looking forward to launching that again um, on June 15th. We'll be going to Akron and we do a full day trip and we call it a taste of because we basically learn as much as we can about the history of the community by eating our way through the city. So, um, definitely come hungry. Um, we also see some amazing architecture on these trips. So we'll be starting at Stan Hewitt Hall, um, which was uh, the Sieberling Estate, Goodyear Tire. Okay. Um, and if you've not been to Stan Hewitt, it is sort of like um, Ohio's Biltmore Estate. It's mm-hmm. just spectacular. Yeah. Um, so we'll start the day there. We'll be eating again throughout the day. Lots of wonderful meals and tastings um, throughout the city and some behind the scenes um, looks at some of the um, development that's happening in Akron. We'll see the historic Goodyear um, plant, but we'll also have a representative from the LeBron James Family Foundation with mm-hmm. us um, and we'll see a behind the scenes look at some of the development that he's um, investing in in downtown Akron. That is uh, always really interesting to see where the community is now, yeah. uh, especially a community like Akron that has uh, really struggled uh, over the uh, over the years. And uh, again, I think when we were talking about this last month, we mentioned that that was this was coming up. Akron is one of those towns that uh, often gets overshadowed by Cleveland uh, in Northeast Ohio, but has such a really fascinating history of its own. Yeah, amazing manufacturing history. And much like um, we saw when we went to Detroit, uh, you know, they had a heyday 
um, and then really experienced uh, quite an economic downturn Mm -hmm. um, and now are sort of revitalizing themselves, reinventing themselves as a city. And so we'll get to see some of that amazing history from their heyday and also what is up and coming. Now, uh, there's still room on the on the bus for this? There is. We take a full charter bus and okay. um, there are a few spots left for that. So uh, please make the, your, your reservation soon for that if you're interested in joining us. Again, the date is June 15th, but we need your reservations by the middle of next week. Okay. And again, you can do that on our website or by calling us at the museum. And the uh, cost for that trip is... Uh, um, I believe it is uh, $155 okay. for members and $170 for non-members. Again, that includes a lot of food throughout the day. All that's of your meals. Gonna, that's what he's going to ask. That's yes. all included. And all of your admission to each place that we go to and, um, of course, charter bus travel. And it is a single day uh, trip, just a day trip yes, there and back. there and back, but okay. it is a full day. We'll yeah. leave bright and early and get back uh, late at night. So. Okay. Uh, and you've got more information on that, uh, again, as you said, at the website and folks can sign up for that. That's uh, right. HancockHistoricalMuseum.org. Well. One other thing to mention, uh, which is not in the month of June, but is right around the corner because it seems like 4th of July Hard is yeah, yeah. It's going to be here before you know it, uh, your annual uh, event on the 4th of July. That's right. We always do an ice cream social on the 4th of July. And again, weather permitting, this is just a really fun, beautiful event. Um, we encourage people to come out and get some Dietz's ice cream uh, at the museum. You can sit on the front porch. Um, you can come after the city's uh, July 4th parade. And so the ice cream social will be from 1230 to 230. We'll also have the museum open, free and open to the public that day with lots of children's activities. So it's just a nice way to spend uh, the afternoon. And if you are looking for something to do with the kids now that they are out of school and uh, you're looking for something uh, to uh, fill their time, the, the museum is a great place to uh, to bring them. Yeah, don't forget about us. You know, you can spend the better part of a day at the Hancock Historical Museum. We have several buildings. We have a much larger campus than I think people are typically right. uh, aware of. And so um, lots to see uh, and do. Uh, throughout the museum that's one of the things if you just drive by uh on the street you wouldn't realize that there are so many other things to see other than the main house yes i think people are are always surprised by that and we're proud of course of our museum and i think the community should be proud that we have such a resource in our community uh, as well so yes don't forget about us this summer and bring the kids out um, take some time to learn a little bit more about our local history. What are the uh, regular hours at the museum? We are open Wednesday through Friday, 10 to 4, and then we're also open on Sundays from 1 to 4. Okay, so uh, again, if you're looking for something to do on a uh, lazy summer day, you can uh, swing by the museum, and, and don't forget about all of those uh, special events. We have the uh, link up at our webpage for more information about all of that stuff going on in June and beyond at the Hancock Historical Museum. And Sarah Sisser, thanks very much for dropping by. Thank we you, appreciate Chris. it. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Boogie on the Block is happening this weekend, just the beginning of a spectacular summer full of outstanding outdoor events. Presented by the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts all around town, we'll get a preview. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.